All right, what's going on, guys? The Manifest Iron Podcast. Um, I have a very special guest with me, uh, Matt Engel, with Aesthetic. That's it, Aesthetic. Aesthetic. With a YK at the end. With a YK. It's very aesthetic. Um, It is a record label. Uh, I've known Matt for a long, long time. Um, I would have to say probably over a decade. Uh, And we just recently reconnected at a grocery store and... uh, kind of caught up on life a little bit and you know I asked him I was like hey would you like to come in and and be a part of the Manifest Iron podcast and he didn't hesitate um so gave him a tour of East Race Muscle today and he hadn't seen it since probably year one Mm -hmm. so it was kind of neat to have uh the perspective of someone that saw it you know kind of in the beginning to now um but we started talking when we sat down at the table here before we started recording and it was just too good a conversation, so I had to put a stop to it and make sure we hit the record button. Um, so Matt, is, he owns his own uh, record label and promotion company. Uh, he started out in the music business. He's got over, I would, how long have you been in the music business? Close uh, to... 15 years. Yeah, 15 years, starting, off, uh, starting out with Sony, uh, the big time, and now he's even bigger time because he's following his dreams and, and helping uh, artists along the way. So instead of me butchering it and and trying to describe exactly what he does, I'm going to turn it over to you. Let us uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you're doing now. Well, can we talk about us first? Yeah, for sure. I think that's one of the coolest parts about this. Kind of serendipitous. We It has been about 10 years. And, um, man, you were about half the size you are now when (laughs) we first met. (laughs) And you had half the tattoos, I think. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, you, you were working at a bank. Yep. And kind of hated your job. Yep. But you did really well with it because you just were good with people and people liked you. And so they kept giving you promotions and you just kept, (laughs) and it felt like for a while you were going to be kind of stuck. Like I'm making this X amount of money and uh, I'm doing this thing that I, this is all I know how to do. You didn't graduate from college. You didn't have a degree or anything. So you were just like, somehow I ended up here and I'm doing this that seems from the world's eyes, this is like I'm living the life that I should, I'm making this a certain amount of money and this is great. Um, but you weren't happy. And uh, one of the coolest stories is we used to, we were in a small group for a while on Tuesday nights. I met at my house in my living room. And I remember you and Aaliyah were uh, struggling to, you guys were trying to get pregnant for the longest time. And this wasn't happening. And it's kind of crazy, but this is one of those. And I've, I've struggled with my with my prayer life my entire life, wondering, God, are you real? Are you? Is this? Ma- does this make any difference? And I just remember we just had a moment of like, let's just pray. Let's all like, didn't we've never done this before? But we're like, let's just get kind of stand around you, put our hands on you or whatever, and let's just pray that something's gonna happen. And then like, gosh, what was it? A year later, you yeah. guys, you guys had your. Your son. Yeah, Cameron. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Like yeah. I that's one of those very rare moments where I can like say that something must have happened. Yeah. There's no way that was just coincidence. No, and you know, we talked about that a little bit in one of my podcasts with Nathan too, just uh over the years of, you know, um struggling with faith and believing in in uh these moments in life. Uh the same thing when I sat in the hospital um, with Mia, and they told us that, you know, her, there's 50-50 chance that her transplant was going to take, you know, yeah. and, you know, I think that was the first time I'd prayed in, in years, 
And it might have been the last time, too. Uh, it, but it, it's one of those things where I think that the timing was where it needed to be. And, yeah. uh, you know, and sure enough, it's, it just kind of shows you how little you really are based on whatever your belief system is. I mean, obviously, everybody is different, but to uh, to have faith and for it to be real mm-hmm. uh, is when those type of instances happen. Yeah, yeah. So it was but, just a cool moment, man. And it's yeah, it's cool to just see. Yeah, there's just these things where I feel like that's the mystery of the of the Lord. That's the mystery of God. You know, like that he uh, he doesn't do things the way that we want or we expect in the timing that we expect, but. Yeah, sometimes that stuff happens. I appreciate you bringing that up. So yeah, that was almost that. That was, that was over eight years ago, almost nine years ago. Yeah, 2011 maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that's how far back. Yeah, we. I mean, that was kind of the earlier stages. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah. So anyway, I brought my brother here when you guys first opened up, and he's gigantic. Yes. So this is like he would fit in well with all you guys. But yeah, it was uh, really fun to see that in the early stages. I was like, man, Mike's killing it. And now, you know, here we are four years later after that, and it's like four times the size <laughs> as it was, and you've got a mustache, and you've <laughs> you got a whole crew of people, so yeah. it's really cool, Mike. I'm yeah. super, I'm just stoked for you. That, enough about me. I want to <laughs> hear, you're, you're very, very cool, too, and I want to hear, we just kind of scratched the surface of what you're doing now, um, and I want you to... Um, and talk to the listeners exactly how we started the conversation before I stopped us and said we need to get this on, you know, on the podcast. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I can just share a quick little piece of my story. I'm from South Bend, from here, from Bremen, which is not, I guess you consider that South Bend. It's just a half an hour south of here. And I uh, went to Bethel College here, and I just wanted to get out so badly. I wanted to get out of South Bend. I always had some, I had a desire to do something with the music industry, but um, I went to the wrong college for that, kind of, because yeah. <laughs> Bethel College in South Bend <laughs> is not where you do that, um, necessarily. Um, so right after school, I got married and uh, moved to Nashville, and I didn't have any connections there, didn't know anyone, but I had a teaching degree, and <laughs> so randomly, I kind of randomly, looking back now, but... It was all part of the plan. I took a teaching job in Franklin, Tennessee. I did that for three years at a brand new high school that I just opened up. And um, on the side, on, during the summers, I would just figure out ways that I could write for different publications. And so I worked for um, a couple different magazines. I worked for the the Tennessee and the newspaper there in their um, entertainment magazine and just covered concerts coming into town and did CD reviews back when there were CDs, and it was uh, it was kind of I was like, man, I'm kind of doing it. Like I'm I'm on the phone with, uh, you know, Jason Mraz. He's coming into town, or Alanis Morissette's coming into town. I get to do a like a little story on her, and so I, they would just let me see who was some of the upcoming concerts coming in, and they're like, and then I would just kind of choose. I want to cover that one and that one and that one, basically, because I wanted this a free CD that the you know the record label would send me <laughs> and tickets to the concert. So we'd end up going to just pretty much two or three concerts a week because I was covering that stuff. Um, Throughout that process, I met just a handful of different managers and publicists and stuff, and one of them was like, hey, do you ever have any interest in working in a record label? And I'm like, yeah, that's why I came here. (laughs) Like, I... I, I'm grateful to be teaching, but I was also kind of afraid, like, this is this might be all I ever do because this is all I know, and this is what I've been doing for the three years since I graduated college. And, um, and I 
but I was like, yes, I, I've applied so many times, but I've just not been qualified whatsoever. So I took an interview. Um, on my way home from the interview, I cried because I was like, I just totally blew my shot. Like, I had no idea what I was talking about. This guy was asking me questions like, if you were a, what's your, you know, if, if you were an animal, what kind of animal would you be and why? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> and he's just asking these really technical, like, kind of bizarre questions, but they all had a point. And um, anyway, I, I did not get the job, and I was really bummed. And so I just kind of was moving on with my teaching life. And uh, right, I'd come home from Nashville to South Bend for a friend's wedding. And uh, during that that time, this is 2007, sorry, I'm not giving much context here, um, ended up getting a call from that same boss, and he offered me a job, and so I took a teaching, I left my teaching job and took a job with Sony, which is the Christian music division um, called Provident Label Group, and uh, didn't know what I was doing, had no idea what a record label, you know, what it was like to work in the culture of a record label, and I didn't, it wasn't the radio side, so I was like working in the promotions department. I was like, I didn't know that there was a, that was a thing. I thought DJs just put whatever songs they wanted to play on the radio, and that's how they became popular. But there's actually a whole system behind it. There's, it's almost a sales thing where you take songs from, rec from artists and you you pitch a certain single, and then you pitch that single to radio stations, uh, programmers that make those decisions, and you try to get those songs played on the air. And that's how it works. And you spend millions, sometimes millions of dollars, but certainly tens if not hundreds of thousands of dollars on getting a single up the chart. So when you see a number one single from Selena Gomez or whoever, you know, or I know, that cost millions of dollars, at least a million dollars to get that song up there. Yeah. So there's just a whole process of it. So, um, so I did that for a few years um, and uh, made some bad decisions and uh, confessed to some bad decisions uh, relationally, and uh, that confession cost me uh, my, ultimately my marriage, and, uh, and also cost me my job. Uh, I had to fi figure out another place to work um, because of just, again, some bad decisions that I knew I was gonna get caught eventually, so I was like, I could live my life with that secret, or and you know and just be okay. I just try to make it work and kind of max out, max out at like fifty percent intimacy level with my wife and just even really with myself, or I can just bust it all out in the open, say this is what I've done, and drop everything to zero, yeah. <laughs> but at least know that I've got a shot at a hundred again. You know, at least I can, at least I have a chance. I might not ever get to a hundred. Does that make sense? Oh like, yeah, okay. for sure. Um, so I just didn't want to live with that secret. And so I was like, okay, this is what I need to do. And it cost me a lot. Um, obviously, you know, it doesn't do great things for a reputation. <laughs> and, uh, and it, um, yeah, and I had to leave that job. And, and that put me into a position of I need to go uh, figure out something else. And I figured I was done working in the music industry at that point. This is 2009, if you're following along. And... Uh, I tried to find every just shitty job I could find. Um, I was trying to work. I was trying to find warehouse jobs, working at Starbucks. I remember sitting in a interview at an Applebee's. Okay, I'm 20 at this point, 28 years old. I'd just been working at my own office. I had you know a team, and I'm trying to find a job that'll just 
kind of, uh, what's the word? Like, just, I, I, I didn't deserve to, to do anything good anymore. So I was looking for just the worst job that I could find as punishment for myself. and Maximum self-deprecation. Yeah. And so I was sitting at an Applebee's with this pretty gigantic man sitting across from me who was the manager with a very small tie and a white and a white shirt with a gigantic grease stain on the front of it. And he's looking at me like, why do you want to work here? And I'm like, I, I don't, but I need, I just need a job. And I just, and at that same time, a friend of mine had called and he's like, Hey, I've got some extra work as an independent radio promoter. Like if I know, he's like, I know what your situation is. I've got more than I can take on. Um, if you're interested, you can, you can, I can give you some of my work, and you can just have some st- like some compen- like something to do, some some work. I was like, I'll at, try it. At this point, when when that was offered to you, were you still mulling the idea of self sabotage? Like, oh, like good question. Yes, I was. Yeah, so it was a different way. Like I had already been self sabotaging by getting myself into the situation that I did um, relationally. Um. The next self, the next line of self sabotage is like, okay, so I'm gonna, I, I just really destroyed a lot of things in my life on my own by my own decisions, but now I'm gonna make another decision to pay penance. Penance is the word I was looking for. Yes. Um, to uh, make my life, to give myself something to think about over the bad choices that I've made, as if that's going to make <laughs> my situation better, because that, you know, that's just the way that I was thinking. I just got to get myself so miserable that it's just going to break me of everything. But I just don't know that that's the way it really works. Yeah. I think the the more miserable we make ourselves, it it doesn't necessarily lead us to a better, you know, net sum. No. (laughs) So um, I'm trying to speed this up a little bit, but um, I I ended up doing that. Um, I took some independent jobs working with the same radio stations I had been working with at the label and um, and that ended up kind of snowballing into some pretty decent success working with some artists that um, weren't necessarily no-brainer radio commercial hit makers but had made some songs that actually ended up doing really well on the billboard charts and and that reflected well on me and so record labels started coming back to me saying hey like could we hire you as like a contract independent promoter to to do more work for us and then that just turned into a pretty significant success as an independent radio promoter um at the same time my my wife had moved back up here i was still living in nashville at that time and uh and uh, she moved up here and i was trying to every weekend drive up every other weekend at least to to see my kid, our kids, we had a newborn baby and a two-year-old at the time. And um, I was just, it was wearing me out. So I'm like, I just have to move up here. It seems like that's what this is looking like. I just need to move back up to South Bend, which is not something I necessarily wanted to do. <laughs> but, like, it's just, it was not a question for me. And I don't even mean to say it sounds super noble, but I just, I couldn't imagine being away from my kids and, I just felt like, all right, like this is what I need to do, and I don't know if I can do ra- like music stuff from South Bend, but I'll have to go back into teaching or something. But um, just kept uh, the, the it all kept working. Fast forward, um, I'll, I don't know how much to fast forward, but ten years later, I'm I'm here, and I've been able to make the radio promotions thing work from my house here in South Bend. And you know, if I have to travel, I just fly out of Midway or South Bend, and it's uh, and it's all 
been very successful. I've worked with some really great Christian artists. Um, uh, I don't know if Lecrae and, um, gosh, there's just so many. Uh, and I've worked with some mainstream artists, Dan and Shay and Avril Lavigne and Matt Carney and um, really just and tons of uh, just really great songs that worked well for that genre, for sure. Um, I think over the course of the last couple of years, I just started, I'm a very creative person. I've always been that kind of person that loves to find the new music, loves to find stuff that's a little different and weird and even challenging. Um, I don't listen to pop radio very much. I like to listen to kind of like artists that haven't been signed, not to be pretentious, but I just like those artists that nobody's found them yet, but like they're making really dope music. Um, and so I started finding some of these artists in real life like people were introducing me to them, and they weren't interested in doing Christian music, but they, you know they they had a great spirit about them. They had a they had some really great life, and they were making some really great music. And I'm like, I don't know what to do with them. I can't. I don't want them to fit into the Christian music world, and I. But I don't really know what else to do, and so I just decided, like, as I was just talking with some other friends, I just decided I've got all this year these years of music industry background, mostly in radio, but also I've met producers and publicists and social media people. And, um, you know, I, I've figured out a lot of different publishing. I've figured out a lot of different things. What if I just started a record label, kind of label services company, and got these artists um, kind of started, like a minor league, kind of a minor, a minor league for them to get them acclimated to um, help them build their brand, help them build who they are as an artist, um, give them some media training, some life coaching, um, help them with, and just kind of create the resources necessary to get them elevated to another level. Because at the moment, you know, these, a few of them didn't even have social media accounts. They, or a couple of them didn't have social media accounts. They were nothing yet, but they were like, we want to be something, we just don't really know what to do. So I'm like... And music was the most important part for them. 100%, yeah. Yeah, and they had made some really good music already. We just didn't know what to do with it. So I'm like, let's figure that out. And so I hired an entertainment lawyer out of Nashville who's one of, gosh, one of the best in the industry. And um, she just spent hours with me, which, you know, if you know, you know lawyers, like, hours were great, but it was like, I'd get those bills, and I'm like, yeah. just, so I've always had to look at all of this as, like, this is an investment, like, this is um, value, <laughs> yeah, like, I'm, I'm not, and I have it written on my whiteboard, actually, right in front of me, because I'm so, this is my personality, to just be tight with my money, but I'm like, it's spending, it's not spending, it's investing, because I'm constantly like, oh, that just, that's a lot of money that I just spent on this thing, but it's like, no, it's a lot of money I just invested into this thing, um, kind of jumping all over the place, Mike. No, that's okay. This is um, great. Good. And uh, so, anyway, I started, I, I needed a name, and um, I kind of had a bunch of stuff rolling around in my mind, and I just kept using the word aesthetic as I was talking with friends and talking with um, peers and contemporaries that were doing, you know, that are in the industry, and I just kept using, like, I want something that's just got this, like, vibe to it. That's just got, like, when you know, when you're working with my company, or, or you're, if you're familiar with my company, you just kind of associate it with a vibe, a feeling, a, a, a kind of a philosophy. And I just kept using the word aesthetic. And I'm like, I wonder if that word's been used. And so fast forward, it has, but um, not for anything in the music industry. But it, I was like, you know what? Aesthetic with an IC is okay, but it's aesthetic with a YK at the end. 
we'll make sure that uh, I think I can get away with all trademarking and everything for sure because there were a lot of companies called aesthetic, not just just not necessarily music. And so that became uh, once you and I'm sure you can again relate to this with East Race Muscle. Like once you have that name of your company, it just feels like that's when the baby's born, right? Yeah. Like that's when you're like, that's it. Like it, we've got a name for it now, and it just makes the whole process. Um, you know, probably the next thing you want to do is, a mu- is have a mission statement. But like, I was like, okay, like I've got th- a thing that I can hold in my hand, kind of, which was a cool feeling. Yeah. Um, I remember just feeling so much relief because I was just afraid that I was gonna n- have to settle for some stupid name. Yeah. And I felt like aesthetics kind of dope. So I like it. Thanks, man. Yeah. It looks good on a shirt too. Yeah. I should have brought you one. You should have brought me a shirt. I'm a shirt guy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yes. I'll get you one, man, for sure. Um, I cannot believe I didn't remember that. Um, but anyway, uh, so I signed. I, I worked out this kind of agreement with a couple of these artists, and uh, and they're just great, wonderful people, and just making so such great music. One of them, they're so different from each other. One of the bands is called Juicy Pear, and it's a husband and wife. They just got married out of California, and they're they're making this kind of future disco pop kind of music, is what we call it. Kind of like. Uh, Pharrell Williams meets Daft Punk meets Justin Timberlake, but it's a, it meets the Cardigans kind of. It's a female vocalist, and then Child is the other artist on the other side of the co- on the other side of the country in North Carolina, and he's kind of like a the Weekend meets Nine Inch Nails kind of dark, um, very uh, ethereal, cinematic kind of music. Yeah. But they both work for what I was wanting and to to make music that works well for like TV, film placement stuff that you you hear these songs and you're like gosh I could hear that in a movie I could hear that on a TV show and that's one thing that you were talking about before I stopped you and we started recording yeah. um, one of the goals of your team is to contact like Netflix and Hulu and all these different places and essentially send them this work to see if it fits in any yeah. projects and stuff like that right right so it's not just trying to get it on the radio or you know, iTunes or no. Spotify or anything like that. You're going for the whole gamut. Yeah. I mean, I would love radio at some point um, if it was the right song. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, there might be some stuff that could work for radio. Um, but like I said, radio is so expensive. And I'm working on my own budget right now, just some, some money that I would put aside um, for real estate a year ago. And I kind of changed. I think I don't think we talked about this on the, on the, while we've been recording, but I just decided I, didn't, I don't really know that real estate's my thing, but um, music is. And so I'd rather invest it in musicians and artists that are doing things that I believe in that I'm inspired by, um, but that that's a cert, that's a very small amount of money, and I'm not really interested in investors right now. I mean, I've had a couple people interested in investing, and I'm like, I kind of want to see if I can just do this my own, and and not necessarily be beholden to anybody else's opinion. You just, obviously, you get more people involved financially; they want to put their opinion in and thoughts in. And a lot of times, if they're throwing money in there, you have to take their opinions and their absolutely thoughts. right. And I get it; like, if that's the exactly. they should, but I'm like, ah, I just don't. I can help it. I'm gonna try to do this my own mm-hmm. on my own for as long as I can because this is really my vision, and it's something that I just feel like. If, and I do have a tendency to be somebody that if I start feeling stuck, I know myself well enough that I'm like, I gotta go look for help. Yeah, I gotta go find somebody. I'm freaking out. Um, when the truth is, like, I really I might be stuck, but I I probably could figure this out. <laughs> I could probably get through this. I just have to be willing to uh, to just take a step back, take a deep breath, and like, all right. 
how can how am I going to figure this out? I got to ask some questions, but I don't need necessarily to come bail me out. With these artists that you have signed now, and kind of the way that you're um, trying to get their name, their music out there, and, and using the platform is like the cinema and TV shows and series and stuff like that. Are mm-hmm. they okay with that? Are oh, they, that's like, yeah, that's okay. the big thing that I think they all. When we were. You know, this is kind of all during the COVID era too. We've all been like most of the mostly doing Zoom calls or phone calls with each other. But that was one of the first conversations that I had with both of them. Is that they're like, we really want this to be a um, like a thing where we can a platform for that we can use for TV, film, advertising. Um, and we've landed a couple of the, uh, at least one of those so far. And we got and so we're working with a company out of Los Angeles who does this for this is what they do. It's a boutique firm that. Um, take songs and then they've got connections with all these music supervisors at studios and firms all over mostly Los Angeles but everywhere else like other places too and they just pitch these songs constantly like there's a new uh, there's a new season of uh, Grey's Anatomy coming out or whatever and they're like okay we've got this song this song this song this song you know and they might even be the the music supervisor at the at the TV show or at the film might be like we need a song that's got dark um, brooding, uh, male vocal, yeah. like kind of all these specific things. And so it's it's been kind of fascinating because I didn't really know much about this world until a few months ago. Like, this is, it's a very technical thing, but it's not like they just hear a song and they're like, let's use that one. They're like, they're real, it's a process. But it also goes fast. And so a supervisor needs a song. Um, they call some Carrie, who's the person who does my our sync licensing, and they're like, we kind of we need this, this, and this right now. And so she's like, she's already ready to go. She's got like, they're called briefs, and she sends these sends these songs out to them, and they're they can make a decision within a few minutes. Well, and before you made this your way of life, um, I, I'm sure just because of the way that you think, and and I I'm the same way. I love movies, I love TV shows, and stuff like that too, mm-hmm. but. The music makes or breaks the movie sometimes. Hundred yeah. percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, I, in my opinion, it, it sometimes is one of the more important parts of the entire production. Yeah. So th- I, I think that's actually kind of cool. Like I think that's a, a neat avenue for a musician to kind of. Mm-hmm. It's weird because you're doing this to essentially jumpstart their careers, which to me seems like a really neat. Almost, you can be nominated for an Academy Award for that. You know what I mean? Good, yeah, <laughs> I know. It's yeah. I don't put that in my head, man. I don't need to hear that right now. <laughs> like that's the one thing about all this is that I have to constantly, and I've got so many great people in my life that have consulted me, that have been consulting me, and just speaking some life and truth into me. And they're just like, Matt, you are so early in all of this because I have a tendency. Because again, I've, I've got 15 years of industry experience. I've worked with tons of labels, tons of successful people. And what I have to constantly remind myself of is that I'm just getting started with this. And so if the numbers aren't where they are, if the the placements aren't coming in yet, it's like, well, I've only been doing this for a few months. Like, really, I, it's, it's not very realistic um, that I'll be getting a lot of accolades anytime soon. But um, Or that aesthetic or that these artists will. But that's kind of the fun part about it, too, is that I still feel like, man, I'm making some... There's a dope product that's being made that I'm not necessarily... I'm just kind of helping perpetuate it. I'm not making any of it necessarily. I'm just helping get it out there. Um, but it's my, it might take a while. Th- like with Juicy Pear or Child, or I just signed a new artist named Sage Ray. 
they're making great music that might not be heard for years down the road. And how many times has that happened where there's an artist that comes out with a song that we all like, this is a this is a really great song, and that song might have been written three or four years ago, and it just surfaced, and that you know gets up for a Grammy or whatever as a new song of the year. Yeah, and you know the people that are close to that song know like, man, that was <laughs> we've made like so many versions of that songs for years, that song for years before it got to this level. Four or five more EPs since then. <laughs> yeah, that's what's so crazy when you always think of these like award shows and you think you see like new artist of the year, and it's like. You know, sometimes it might be like an Ed Sheeran who's, but even with Ed Sheeran, he's probably been doing music for years before he got, he's not new, but like to the world's eyes he is. And so that's a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I have to constantly remind myself like, yeah, it would, something could happen, you know, something could break out and be huge. Um, But I'm kind of like trying to keep the bar low and be like, you know what, like I've got a goal, I got a list of goals. Um, that I want to make, but for the most part, if I can make those goals, they're great, but they're not, like, getting an, a, a, a Grammy or getting, you know, some gigantic placement with a Honda commercial or something. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, we'll see. It's been really fun. And, and the cool part about it is, like when I was telling you, I was just listening to some new demos on the way here of a couple. They're not demos anymore. They're finished songs, but no one's heard them yet. And with both of these songs, they're so different from each other. Um, one is from Sage and one is from Child. Um, and, but I'm like, gosh, both of these, I can hear, like, I can see this part of that song, like, that's going in a, that could go in any Transformers movie or whatever, Marvel movie, that's, like, so intense and big, you know, and then there's another, the, uh, Sage's song is a little bit more, like, Shawn Mendes-y guitar love song, and it sounds like something that'd be on an episode of whatever CW show is out right now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, so to kind of, uh, one of my main themes of this podcast and just the Manifest Iron in general, because it's what I call my coaching as well, um, is the concept of manifesting to reality, Mm -hmm. like manifest your dreams and and taking the risk and turning those manifestations into reality, sometimes good or bad, you know, and, um, you know, our stories are Obviously, we're in very different um, industries, but the stories are very similar, mm-hmm. and uh, that's one of the reasons why I think our like we're we're always coming back into each other's. Uh, it's been it's been years since mm-hmm. I talked to you last yeah. before seeing you at the grocery store. Wasn't it cool though when we saw each other? It was like, but most people at that moment we were kind of even admitted it. We were like, not to cut you off, but we were like, I kind of would have just gone right past most people at that moment. But we're like, no. It was kind of, ex- <laughs> we were both excited. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. usually, usually in those situations, you like throw up, like you hurry up and side eye and like cut down the next aisle. You're like, yeah, I don't want to get Absolutely. <laughs> That's I mean? kind of a rule for me at a grocery store. I'm like, if, I, if they don't see me first, then it never happens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, with the last time I talked to you was, you know, the radio promotion. That's what you were doing, stuff like that. Uh, we talked about relationships. I mean, we have an even deeper um we have an even deeper relationship in the sense that we mm-hmm. both know some of the garbage that we both have gone through mm-hmm. and uh, for not knowing each other in, I guess, uh, what would be the term? Like, it's not, it's not a minutes thing with me and you, the, mm-hmm. t- the time that we spend together. It always seems to be uh, it's a, depth. It's a depth and emotional yeah. and organic. Um, yeah. And uh, so one of the things, I mean, if you, if you, if you want to share with us is just, the point where you um, 
you didn't touch on it too much here. We talked talked about it before we we started recording, but mm-hmm. you know, you were lost. You didn't really know. You're like, you know, things are starting to wear on me a bit. I'm not sure if I want to do this anymore. Like things mm-hmm. are, this industry isn't exactly the way that I, you know, it's 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 not working as well as I thought. Not working as well, but just like emotionally, it it, it was draining you, right? Mm-hmm. And different, and and so you put this money aside. You're like, what am I going to do next? Okay, I'm I'm going to invest in. Uh, real estate. Yeah, they do some rentals around here. We're right next to the University of Notre Dame. Quite honest, quite honestly, it's a it's a huge money maker in this area, mm-hmm. and it's almost a guaranteed money maker. Yeah. And the second that you were like, no, th- that's not that's not what I want to do. And then also, like I said, I, I mean, you speak on it as much as you want to, but not pigeonholing yourself in the Christian music mm-hmm. world as well. Um, because then you kind of handcuff yourself in the type of artist that you want to work with. Right. You made the decision to do what you wanted to do based on your passion. So if you go down one genre or the other, your passion is diluted, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like you, you, it's, it's, it is what it is. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get the same types of musicians or the, the, the fire that's inside of you to put this type of music out and stuff like that. So aside from the industry, the whole process of like, all right, I made this decision. I took this risk. Mm-hmm. Like, what made you get to that point? I think because uh, you've been self-employed for a long time. Yeah, the radio promotion thing—that was you. Yeah. So you didn't really work for anyone. You didn't have a boss or anything like that. So you were. Yeah. You're you're not new to that. But this is a whole different monster. Right. And risk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I remember saying that for the longest time. Like, it's so nice to not have a boss. And then I realized I've got, like, 10 clients. They are all my bosses. They are all, like, I've got 10 bosses, and they are all, you know, like, they are all expecting something out of me. And so, uh, and as they should, they hired me. Um, but, yeah, it's funny because the perception is always, like, if you work by yourself, you don't have a boss. But you have a boss. You yeah. know, like, you've got people that you have to answer to or, you know, you can't do your job anymore. You I, I've literally used the term before that you pay me to be your friend. I've said that. <laughs> I've said that to people. <laughs> yeah, which is what a counselor, anybody in your position would do. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, I mean, and I'll say, like, I am so grateful to do what I've been able to do in, in the Christian music industry, and I'm continuing to do it. And I'm, I, I, I've made so many great relationships and friend, like truly friends. I'm, I use that word pretty carefully because friend is a valuable word um but i have some great friends in the industry um excuse me and uh i really and i i still very much enjoy that like this is what i get to do i get to call radio stations right now and 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 get these songs played on the air um i just think like in any case when you're when i'm doing something for this long um when i've been doing radio promotion for 10 11 years 12, maybe 12 years, I was like, I just need to do something else. I just need to do, I need, I, I started realizing, like, I've got a purpose, but I don't know that, like, I feel like maybe my purpose is also something, in something else, is investing in something or in someone else. And um, so that's where it felt like there was just this moment of, like, I'm, I'm going to continue to do what I've been doing, but it's nice to have another, like, baby or child you know like uh like a idea that i can be investing in and 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 growing and nurturing and so that's when aesthetic you know it wasn't like i was sitting over here necessarily bored 
but it was like I still feel like there's something else that I, I should be doing, and so that's when aesthetic came in, and I, and so having the combination of both is a beautiful thing because I, I wake up every morning and like I I have so many things that I get to invest in and put my heart into that I'm actually really excited about. Um, what what part feeds your soul? Like what is what is it that money not included the the work the actual grind uh, per se. Um, but what actually fills your soul? Because as an entrepreneur, I know this, you know this, you're never satisfied. Mm-hmm. You're never satisfied and you're never busy enough. Yeah. Like people will look at you and be like, dude, I don't have, I don't have any idea how you have enough time in the day because I don't. Yeah. You know sure. what I mean? I have two kids that I have to give as much of my attention to and mm-hmm. as love as I possibly can so that they don't have to feel like I felt growing up. And um, then I have this, you know, and this business is... East Race Muscle is a foundation for like three other businesses for mm-hmm. me. You know yeah, what I mean? Right. So being an entrepreneur, there's never enough. Mm-hmm. Like you, you always want, and I think that says a lot about our personality too. Um, it, whether you want to call it ADD or uh, just driven, yeah, yeah, driven, filling the gaps, mm-hmm. um, all those different things. I mean, mine comes from more of a place of brokenness, mm-hmm. and as I continue to help people or build off of this community. Even the negative parts of it fill the gaps and help complete different pieces of me that um, I think we're missing for a long time. Mm-hmm. I, like one years old to 30 years old seemed really easy. And then 30 to 36 or almost 37 mm-hmm. uh, were some of the most trying times in my life. And now I'm finding a place where that leveling out period is and I'm busier than I've ever been. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm busier than I'm, I've ever been and I'm showing my kids more of the world than I ever have too. Yeah. So, uh, you know, cultivating relationships that are meaningful to me, mm-hmm. um, not ones that take pieces of me. Sure. Um, and most of that comes from this. Mm-hmm. Outside of my family, it, it's this. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I don't know if everybody's uses the same passionate words as I do about their businesses or things that they're passionate about. I mean, we're not Applebee's or all these other places where like you own a franchise that's already been developed. Mm -hmm. This came from our soul. Aesthetic came from your soul. Every piece Mm -hmm. of it was your doing, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Same with this. Yeah. So I know what this place does for my soul, uh, in the positive and the negative, uh, for that matter. And they're all building blocks of me. And, uh, one of the things I like about you too is you're very true about your testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why people are so accepting of um, leaders like me and you is that we're not afraid to show them the ugly side mm-hmm. and how we've grown from that yeah. and how you can be a successful version of yourself. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Look in the mirror every day and say, all right, that reflection right there is gone it's on to the next one. It's on yeah. building off of that, being a stronger version of the person that you're looking at in the mirror. Yeah. And so I guess in a long tangent, I want to know what that looks like for you with this whole process. Not so much the pieces of aesthetic and like how the business is run and even the musicians or whatever, but what what drives you to continue to put this work into it and to to do these things, to help these artists, to show your kids a future, to be an example of, for them, for the artists that you sign, um, 
Why do you take these risks? Why'd you do this? That's a great question, man. Um, there's probably a couple different layers of it. I mean, to be completely honest, the first layer is ego. <laughs> I think you have to have an ego to start something. You have to. <laughs> um, I, I'm, I don't want to interrupt you, but honestly, it takes a lot for someone to admit something like that. Um, we are in the positions that we're in because we like to have that feeling of power and knowing that there's not, that we command every facet of what we're doing, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It might even be why we fall into the issues that we have too. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's hard for us to let go of that power, mm -hmm. that command. Um, it's almost an addiction. Yeah, and it feeds a narcissism that we have. And I hate that word. It's an ugly word, it but is. it's like, let's just own it. Like, I have to own that I've got a narcissistic tendency in me. Um, and if I don't, then I'm just screwing myself, right? Like, I'm just making, like, I'm not being honest with myself. And there's no healing in that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know that we can, especially when it pertains to, like, our selfish, like, our pursuits to do this stuff out of selfishness, like, if we're completely denying that that's the, that the truth, we're never, we're just going to get more and more delusional and not help ourselves, and we're going to hurt a lot of people and abandon a lot of people along the way. So that's where there's something really beautiful about just, like, okay, I have this tendency in me to be this way. I, can, I have a tendency to be very selfish in my pursuit I've and, and be very, um, I want... There's a part of me that wants the fame, that wants the um, the notoriety, the the money or whatever that comes with that. That's all like that's what we know. That's, the world just surrounds us with that, right? Um, so I have to own that that's a part of the process. What I have to constantly fight is is knowing that there's not a lot of there's no satisfaction that's going to come from that. Oh yeah, there's nothing that like I we we've had we can have some success and stuff. And how many, I mean, and I don't want to make this into something bigger, but, like, how many people do we know that are, or do at least are we aware of that are super famous, celebrity, successful people that are miserable mm -hmm. because they just, uh, this isn't giving them what they really want. And what we think we want is is that stuff, and it's just never, never satisfies. And so I'm, I'm constantly telling that to my kids. I'm looking at the world right now and just seeing how everything feels like it's hanging on a string sometimes, you know, and there's so much, you know, it, we could wake up to, we could go to bed tonight or wake up tomorrow and there's going to be another catastrophe that's happening. And I'm just constantly telling my kids like, let's just hang on. This is why we hang on to the world so loosely because it's just not going to deliver what we want it to ultimately deliver for us. Is that no. <laughs> and, um, and if we're truly honest about the legacy that we're leaving, um, our children, both of us have a boy and a girl. Mm -hmm. um, both of us put our hearts un unconditionally into both of our children. And both of our chi our respective children see us in a position, I, like, it's, it's, I don't like to use these type of words, but it's true, of power. My kids see me traveling to the largest cities in the country. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I grew up with parents that never left the home. Yeah. You know what I mean? They went to their job, came home, sat on the recliner, didn't do anything else, you know, mm. mowed the lawn, whatever, this mm -hmm. and that. We're traveling, doing things, meeting people. Um, there are people that are grabbing for our attention uh, every second of every day. Mm -hmm. Our phones are going off like crazy as part of our business. Mm -hmm. um, 
social media sees us in a, in a different light. You know what I mean? And so my kids are growing up like that. So I have to be very aware of making sure that they know that that's not the norm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not that I'm famous by any means, but in the grand scheme of reality and how society is and, you know, how social media is mm-hmm. and, um, you know, having a place where people, like I said, are taking pieces of you every day, mm-hmm. um, good or bad, we have to make sure that there is some sort of awareness going on with our children. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because we can get lost in that too. Yeah. Um, you know, I've had great friends of mine. I had this conversation with a really good friend of mine last night because I'm very emotionally connected to pretty much everyone that walks through this door and the relationships that I cultivate that when it becomes either toxic or, um, I guess, jealousy is involved, mm-hmm. I become even more emotional and try to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this friend of mine was just like, you, you, you can't save everyone. Yeah. And not everyone is going to continue to like you mm-hmm. based on what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You just got to let it go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like cultivating those relationships that are meaningful to me that are going to be there in times, um, you know, I don't ask for a lot and mm-hmm. uh, I try to put everybody else's issues ahead of mine. And there are times that I need to be asking for help as well. Mm-hmm. And I don't do a good job at that. Hmm. You know, it's ruined my relationships too, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but it all stems from not feeling, uh, not feeling adequate enough uh, not feeling loved. And so I yearn for that. I yearn for that love, not the fame so much, but I want to be loved. Mm-hmm. And when I don't feel that, I really internalize it and try to pick apart all the things that I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And this accentuates that 10 times. Yeah. So it's just that you feel desirable here. Yes. When you walk in, you feel like you're in, com- you're in demand mm-hmm. and that feels really good. Yeah. Like it feels satisfying i guess yeah and i once again we got on another tangent but that's good conversation (laughs) so i want to go back to where this fulfills you Mm -hmm. yeah and i mean i think the yeah and i'm so glad we went on that tangent because there is a lot of truth to that but it's definitely not the only it's not the only thing i think where it fills me is um i i am a uh, developer, I just I I I, th- I love seeing something, and that's why I love when I don't, I don't love it. I like seeing uh, a a song because I'm in the music industry in its earliest stages, and an artist sending me a demo, and they're like, "Here's an idea that I have, and I I think there's something here," and I'm like, "Yeah, that's really good. I I want to hear more of it. Keep working on it, but I like what you're going where you're going with this." And then he sends me another, or she or whoever sends me another another version of this demo and it just keeps developing into something. And then it just turns into this like, Oh man. Okay, cool. What if we put like something different in the bridge here? And what if we did this chorus and we added this guitar work and let's layer these harmonies here and on this melody and, uh, and start work like collaborating together, even though I'm not in the studio necessarily, I'm just, but I love music and I know what sounds good. I know what sounds marketable. I know what works for a mass or mass audience. And, and then we're seeing this song develop. And so that's just a, a small element of an entire kind of ecosystem that is created. Like the song is a small thing, but what's even cooler is when the artist, the artist, that person, him or herself, is like they develop into like 
not only who they are as a musician and, their, and developing their style and their, um, you know, like they, they improve in their vocal, they, they, they improve in their, their way that they play the instrument or the way they produce or whatever, but just the way they just develop into more of who, I know who I am, I know what I want. And that's just a really cool place where I can start seeing them. Like, you, you are figuring out who you are. Child is a great example of that right now, one of the artists, because he, um, as we've been, I've been working with Amanda, my public relations lady out of um, uh, New York, she has been trying to find places for Child to fit. And so the pop places are like, ah, he's a little too alternative and dark and hard for us, or heavy or whatever. And then the alternative places are like, ah, he sounds a little too pop. And so he's not really, they're trying to figure out a, a lane to put him in. And I'm like, don't change Child, like Devin, his name's Devin. Like, keep doing what you're doing because it's it's unique and you're doing something that nobody sounds like you right now. As, as far as I know, maybe mm -hmm. they're out there, but I don't know who they are. So I'm, he's developing this sound, this, this, this whole universe, honestly. And that's what makes me so excited um, to be doing this. It's like, I'm creating some, I'm helping this guy create and something that's beautiful and, and unique. And you, he seeked you out to make sure that you wouldn't change anything about him, like his passion. The reason you chose him is because of his uniqueness, his sound, and his passion for uh, his artistry, mm -hmm. right? Uh, yeah, it kind of was like a, we both were like, I'm new at this and you're new at this. Let's just figure this out together. Um, so yeah, there was yeah there was a mutual understanding like we can let's just figure this out let's develop while we're both developing ourselves. And so he's wholly trusting you with his passion with his Ugh. artistry. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a big that's a big statement. I don't know that I would say yeah he's totally putting everything on my lap, but like he he knows that there's things that I'm doing like I'm creating a machine for him to. To become, but you are though. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm very passionate about that. You know, about making, doing, being a good steward of what he's done, and yeah. uh, and and what Juicy Pear and Sage and um, and Emily and some of these other artists that I've worked with, um, what they're doing. I want, I want to. They're trusting me with their product, with their with something that they believe in. I want to, I want to do everything I can to, to take that and make it something bigger and and implement. You know, get the right people involved to make it um, something that is a bigger audience sees. You know, so the uh, I'm gonna ask another question. So we um, we talked about this a little bit too, uh, being an entrepreneur, owning our own businesses, and paving our own paths. And I mean, obviously, we have a team working with us. Mm -hmm. We have people that are quote unquote um, our bosses per se, mm -hmm. based on you know, us making them successful and then making us successful. Um, what would you say about, like, taking a risk based on your passion? One of the conversations I had with Nathan a couple podcasts ago with during COVID and, or COVID and shutdown and quarantine mm -hmm. was um, what are you going to do with this time? So you could either, okay, I have to work from home this mm -hmm. whole time. Now I resent my spouse or girlfriend or boyfriend I resent my children because I actually have to spend time with them mm -hmm. my nine to five is no longer in existence I don't have that robotic clock to mm -hmm. to punch and so you know I challenge people during this time to maybe look into what their passions are and how they can make themselves happier whether it's like okay I'm gonna 
pick up this hobby that I've always wanted to, or mm-hmm. I'm going to start my own business. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Barlow, one of the uh, one of my good friends, he's actually the guy I was talking to last night. He works from home. He has a great job, mm-hmm. and during this time, they're working remote, and he decided to start personal training here at the gym. And now he's pretty much subsidized his income. Wow. The exact amount that he was making at his job. He's still working, Mm -hmm. doing what he's supposed to. But instead of compacting three hours of work and what was normally an eight-hour workday, he's started his own business and has made it successful during this time. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a, I don't want to, I want to see more of that. Mm -hmm. Um. I'll never be able to work a nine to five. Now, if something came down to it and I couldn't provide for my family with the businesses that I own, you figure it out. You figure it <laughs> out, right. you know. But there's always going to be a passion inside of me. I'm not going to do something I'm not passionate about. I'm not going to start a business that's like making brake rotors or something like that because I don't know anything about it. I have no passion for it. Right. And that's what I got hung up on with creative colors. I had no passion for it. I made a lot of money and um, I. It hated every bit of everything I was doing, and we made a lot of money and grew that business mm-hmm. beyond what I ever imagined it would. And I didn't want to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I resented myself, resented my business partners and the business itself, and now I'm happy making not near as much money, but doing what I'm passionate about, helping mm-hmm. people, um, helping people that really, truly need me, mm-hmm. and their souls feed me as well. What do you say, um, I guess, to honestly, in this time, like everyone, to the general public, you know there nine times out of ten you're going to meet somebody that hates their job. Mm-hmm. They hate their job. They hate their career path. Not everyone, but most of everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, what is your concept of taking a risk or following your dreams or doing something that you're passionate about and making that your livelihood? Mm. Well, I think the the main thing is just I mean it's such a basic question, right? But like what what do you, I, I I ask this a lot to people. What do you want? And it's amazing how few people can answer that question. And, and myself included for the for a long time. I'm like, what my my counselor would my life coach would ask me that and she'd be like, "What do you want?" And I'm like, and she would just keep repeating it cuz I'd like kind of go off on a tangent and be like, "Well, you know, I want and she'd be like, "You didn't answer the question." Like, cuz I can't. I can't. You know, I don't know what I want. And until I don't until I knew what I wanted, I was kind of wasting my time. And so, one of the time is very precious, but one of the things I don't want to do is waste it. Like, I mean, because it's so precious. It's the most important thing we have. Um and I think sometimes there's a conception that if we're not doing something, we're wasting it. When I think more often we can be wasting it by just trying to jump into finding anything that we can do to make ourselves feel like we're doing something, we're being busy. And um, man, what a bummer to look back on times when I know that I do all the time. I'm, or I have where I'm, I just did a whole thing and it didn't amount to anything and I don't care about it anymore. But I spent a lot of my valuable time on something that wasn't my purpose and wasn't something I was supposed to do. So my point is, I think patience is an extremely important part of this process. It's just to be like, I need to figure out what I want, and then I just need to be okay with like hashing out what it is. And not that I can't be doing something. We should always be working towards something, towards whatever it is, once we figure out what we want. But I don't, 
I think sometimes the best thing that we can do is just to s- kind of sit and just let things incubate, cultivate, like just ruminate on, and that sounds kind of zen, I guess, but like I do think that there's a truth and I think sometimes the be- the worst thing that we can do is just jump into something because we feel like we see everybody else doing something. That's a big part of this, right, is comparison, is, is feeling like I see what so-and-so is doing, I see what so-and-so is doing, and I want to do that. And their success, like that's not going to happen right away. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? It's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier. Like some of these artists have been doing some of this stuff for years. Record labels have been doing what they've been doing for years. I cannot look at another record label and be like, I need to do, why am I not at a certain amount of Instagram followers? Why am I not at a certain amount of Spotify streams? Like I see this one and this one doing it. Those companies have been around for 10, 15 years. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. But I mean, I, I'm taking little steps to get there and i'm not sure that answers your question mike totally. no that's but, okay like, I, I want it to be organic it, it's yeah. just people will listen to this and see someone that has 15 years in the industry but the majority of that time you've been doing your own thing mm-hmm. you know what i mean and I, what what i get so many times i had somebody ask me he's like how did you do this how did you build the gym and you make this your full-time thing right. you coach you and it's an organic evolution. I didn't set all this up. Just like we said in the beginning, I started with 3,000 square feet. Mm-hmm. You know what I right. mean? I started with 3,000 square feet. I didn't start coaching up until two years ago, right. like making money off of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, can you imagine, not to cut you off, but like if you would have st- if you would have been like right away, like I need to, I see bigger gyms all over the, the world. I need to start breaking down these walls to these other places and make this, how big is this place now? Oh, like, uh, I'd be bankrupt. Yeah, you, if you would have just tried I'd to do all that. I'd have lost my home. Yeah, lost so much money, lost so much time, because it wouldn't have, wasn't, there wasn't time for that yet. Yeah, in all honesty, I probably would have lost my life, because it was the darkest point that mm. I even started this whole thing to where I bottomed out, if I would have had 13,000 square feet filled with people that were tugging at me, yeah. no money, trying to coach when I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, it's an organic evolution, and you cannot be afraid of growth. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get it right mm-hmm. every time. Right. You're not. And, and, and that is, your success is, is born off of your ability to grow constantly. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'm still learning. I'm mm-hmm. still learning. My programming doesn't look the same now as it did six months ago because mm-hmm. I failed people. I failed people. I failed myself. How did, What do you do when that happens? Mm-hmm. You have to grow. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't have somebody telling me, okay, I'm going to give you a written warning yeah. or I'm going to dock your pay. That doesn't mm-hmm. happen here. Right. So I have to take it and stride and have organic evolutionary growth in my business, um, in life and mm-hmm. and that's the only way that this type of thing is going to be successful yeah. right right so even as a father you know in relationships with friends with spouses with boyfriends girlfriends same mm-hmm. thing and i think we um we give up a lot mm-hmm. i think we give up a lot and i've learned that a lot uh, about myself and just the people that are around me it's easier to throw the towel in to sit back and ask yourself what i was doing wrong yeah you know what i mean same thing with a, a you know, I've met business owners that have had to close their doors, and they asked me how I was able to survive. I was like, well, I took I took a stand. I mm-hmm. trudged forward. You know, I sued the state of Indiana. Yeah. You know, I changed myself to a private entity. I did this. I did that. We put powerlifting on ESPN for the first time yeah. in history during quarantine. Right. Where meets have been canceled all over the place. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
And yeah. talk about a risk, man. Like, that was huge. And, you know, we talked about this uh, when, when we were talking at the store and stuff. People hated me for it. Mm-hmm. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. People hated me because of the success. People hated me because we misloaded an all-time world record. Yeah. People hated me because there's people running around without masks on. Yeah. You know what I mean? People hated me because it garnered 2.6 million viewers at its peak. Mm-hmm. That's always going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so... Like, and, and what happened from that is, is it was a growing period. It was, you know, like, I've had offers to do other things. Um, I had to take a step back and say, do I want to do this again? Yeah. Like, it was successful in its own sense. It was unsuccessful in some parts. Um, but everything that I do here, I try to learn from um, the, the stumbles. I mm-hmm. try to learn from the peaks and what I can do next. But... I think one of the things I was thinking of when I asked you that question is I never really have like a, like I have a plan, but it's not a concrete plan. Sure. If you ask me, all right, what's next? I really don't know. Yeah. Um, I know I'm not finished. I know that this isn't the stop sign. Mm-hmm. When I put the turf in and blew through that last wall, I was like, okay, I'm done now. Yeah. No, nah, that's not going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I know what I'm going to do next with my coaching because I'm capped. I can't take any more athletes on, mm-hmm. but I can't stop helping people. Right. So what's next? Build, build. Do you have a mission statement? Have you ever like just like created the, one? Like the like elevator a, speech? <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> like what's like that thing where it's like, okay, this is this is my stake in the ground. This is what this is always gonna. I'm always gonna go back to this. I mean, if you don't, it's fine. I'm I, I, I think that I've probably said one. Like yeah. if I've <laughs> I'm ever, sure if, you have. If <laughs> I've ever said something, maybe more than one or two times, I'd say that's probably my mission. statement. <laughs> It'd be great if somebody could just like follow you. I've and, actually heard you say this more than once. That's my mission that's statement. A, that's a, somebody write that down. <laughs> <laughs> no man that's i mean that's uh it's not really a mission statement but it's something that i use a lot with the manifest iron and i use it when i talk to people and try to counsel them with things that they're in when i say that i by no means am a licensed counselor or psychiatrist sure. or psychologist by any means but i have the experience uh of the people that i've met and have come into my life and i have my own experience and my downfalls mm-hmm. and and and, um, you know, my trials and tribulations. But I always say, I think this goes with lifting. I think this goes with um, the manifest iron, with coaching, with picking yourself and dusting yourself off is the same quote. It's on my clothing and everything else. It's on the website is rise and rise again until lambs become lions. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I even cut it up and I just say rise and rise again. I yeah. use it as a hashtag. And uh, I use it here when someone fails. It's the, the iron's relentless. It doesn't care if you're having a bad day. It doesn't care if <laughs> right. you're having a great day. Yeah. You need to rise and rise again over and over and over. I know you and your spouse are having problems. I know you just lost your job. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you're three months behind on your mortgage. It's time to rise and rise again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a mission statement, but it's the first oh, thing man. that popped in my head when you said it. How is that not a mission, though? Yeah. To be like, we're going to just keep... I mean, it's so it's so profound. Like, yeah. It sounds. I mean, you can look at it from what it is, and like it's kind of simple. But who cares? It's that's profound, and it's such a. It's not even just uh, like out of a grit, and but it's also like a celebration. Like I am so like, we have the opportunity to keep rising. Like as as being breathing human beings, like we have an opportunity. And I'm not trying to sound all like pie in the sky either, but like 
yeah, the, we didn't make that weight, but man, I get, I get to do that. To, hopefully, I get to do that again tomorrow. Yep. And I get to do it again. Like eventually, I'm going to get this. And what a cool opportunity that we have to. And that confidence walks out of here. The reason you came here is because someone told you you weren't strong enough. Yeah. Not, not with weights in your hand, just at some point in your life. Mm-hmm. You're here now because you're hanging on to that. Mm-hmm. It's time, time to walk out of here without that hanging on to you anymore. Yeah. You are strong enough. You know what yeah. I mean? And that's what I hope that people get out of it when, when they come here or when I go to them or when I coach them. Um, I guess that's, that's my mission statement. I use it during the ESPN event. We raised door money for the South Bend chapter of Black Lives Matter. Mm-hmm. And when I delivered it, I signed it the same way in the card. I said, rise and rise again. I don't know if they'll know what that means. I don't have a chance to explain it to them. When we did the South Bend Strong um, t-shirt, uh, fundraiser for uh, the gentleman that was killed at South Bend mm-hmm. uh, High School Apartments by yeah. the police officer. We gave half of the money to the FOP and half of the money to the African American organization in South Bend. Hmm. And the same thing. That's that's all I sign. Rise and rise again. Same thing with the Center for the Homeless. Any any sort of thing that we do for the community, I use the same concept. Mm. So. In all honesty, if there was one thing I took from this conversation, I took a lot, but the fact that you asked me that is it's now it's like it's soaked into me. <laughs> and how am I going to incorporate that more with, you know, with what I do with this this whole adventure that I'm on here with yeah. Mystery's Muscle? Yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, of course, man. <laughs> That's what I love. I always, um, you know, when I'm telling my artists, I'm sitting in a radio station and they're doing interviews and stuff, I'm always like, hey, man, why don't Sometimes it can feel very transactional, like the 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 host is the one that's always talking to the artist, and the artist just answers the questions, and then the interview's over. I'm like, you know, you can bounce things back and forth, artist. Like, talk to, ask questions back, because there's amazing what kind of dialogue can happen. Oh yeah, that way. So I'm always coaching them to do that. Sometimes it actually happens, but. Bro, thank you for this. This is yeah. This, this has, has been, been really fantastic. Um, I feel like there's we just scratched the surface, honestly, of what we could have. I'm gonna have you back on again, uh, hopefully before the next eight years goes by. <laughs> um, but yeah, this was great. Um, I appreciate you coming on and speaking. Uh, we'll uh, check out some of these artists too. I'm really excited to hear this child. Like that. That sounds like the type of music that I would like. So yeah. He's um, great, man. His greatest, his best stuff. I mean, he does have some stuff on Spotify, which is dope. Um, his best stuff, I think, is his next stuff that'll come out in 2021. Barring there is a 2021, <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we'll, we'll do everything we can to make 2021 happen. Happen. Period. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Thank I'd you. love to have you back again um, sooner than later. And uh, I appreciate your um, brotherhood and yeah, man. Just like I said, having you in my life, I, like, at least you're one of those people that it doesn't matter how long mm. time goes by, uh, the same excitement that when I saw you in the grocery store and the hug <laughs> that we gave each other yeah. afterwards, that'll, that'll probably happen for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Like when you just know you genuinely love somebody. And dudes don't do, do that very often. They no, don't like no. to communicate that way. But man, there's, if you can own it, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm proud of you, too, and your success for aesthetic. Uh, I I didn't even know that that was what was going on in your life. So this was a learning experience for me too. So <laughs> you guys definitely check him out. Uh, while he was on a pee break, I checked out Instagram and saw he has an aesthetic Instagram and then his personal one as well. Even a nifty little playlist uh, Instagram where he throws up uh, music playlists and stuff like that is Matt Engel. Um, so check him out and uh, support him. And it's the same way you support us. And uh, I hope you guys enjoyed.
Thanks, my man. Yep. Thanks, buddy. See you.